There she is, the girl. Wouldn't it be better if that woman on Zoom like was changed accents every time you do it? So like you've got yeah. a Roman, yeah. then a Scouser, then a Mank, then yeah. a Glaswegian. It'd be funny that, wouldn't it? Mm. Well, like celebrities. Fuck celebrities. God, what what celebrities though would you want? Huh? What celebrities would you have as the voice of Zoom? Um, Keith Lemon. Who? Keith Lemon. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, that'd be funny. That. Um, Keith Lemon. Uh, Kevin Hart. I yeah, know. that would be good. Yeah, I watched the thing with him the other night. Actually, it was funny. Um, morning, Sam. Morning, Nicole. Billy Connolly. No, hey, that that was it. Just leave him on here. That'd be hilarious. Mm. These are some good shouts. Morgan Freeman, Sam says. Yeah, that's a shout as well. Yeah, that's, that's a really a good, good shout. shout. Um, um, who else? Who else? Mm. Joe Pasquale. <laughs> uh, who else? Liam Gallagher. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, right, anyway, should we get on with it? Yeah, let's go. You know what? Yeah. I haven't even downloaded the bleeding questions. <sighs> it's not many, which is cool. There's four. No, it's fucking not. Um, morning, John. Morning, Sam. Morning, Nick. Who else got? Download responses. Right. Go on, you ask the first question whilst I do this. I've heard about a former PT in my gym stealing clients of PTs and they weren't happy about it. I kind of get that. Um, I wouldn't do it intentionally, but if I'm focused on speaking to and helping as many people as I can, how would I deal with this when I don't focus on whose clients is whose? I don't want to be that type of PT. God, I've had this so many times. Um, listen, I, I, I don't think it should stop you in your tracks as to what doing what you're doing, i.e. with a volume of interaction, um, because the likelihood of you coming into contact with a, a personal trainer's client is pretty slim, um, in my opinion. And if you're going out there to help people uh, initially, then you're doing no harm at all. Like if you're going out there with technique correction to help someone or something like that, and if a PT turns their nose up or gets pissed off with the fact that you've helped their client with technique correction or something like that, then that says more about that PT than anything else. Um, I understand you don't want to be that guy, um, but I just personally don't think it should stop you. It should be kind of used as a barrier for you to be constantly interacting with people. Um, yeah, so I, I I would yeah I would be completely like that. I'd maybe bring it up in a bit of a in, in, in a bit of a meeting where maybe say just it's playing on your mind. Obviously, I'm going out there to help people. I'm not. I won't be um, going out there. If someone turns around and says you're a client, there's obviously absolutely no way that I would get in the way of that. Um, so I would yeah bring it up dead transparent in meeting as well so i think that's the best way of going about it don't let it stop you bring it up be nice and transparent in the meeting at the end of the day if a pt doesn't understand why you're going out there relentlessly interacting with people it says more about that pt 
um, than anything else. So that, that would be my advice. Like, yeah, Some, it, it may happen, but it's a very, very slim chance. It's probably happened to me in 18 years of, let's say 15 years of me trying to be proactively interacting with people on the gym floor. It's probably happened to me about three or four times where I've come into contact with someone else's client and there's only been once or twice where the PT's got their back up because I was doing technique correction and they see, seen it as a reflection of them and their coaching. But at the end of the day, I was still helping their client. So sort about your insecurities, Mr. PT. Um, yeah, that would be my advice. Anything you'd add? <clears throat> no, I think definitely bring it with the team. Um you know, you've got stick to your values there. I think they're quite clear and I think make it quite clear to, to, to everybody. Um, and yeah, if, if you make it clear and people still get their back up about it, it really is highlighting their insecurity about things. So that's not your problem. You can't control that. You can only control yourself and making people aware of what you're doing, why you're doing it and what you won't do. Um, so yeah, I think, uh, yeah, talk to, talk, to, talk to the team of PTs, I think. You've got to be like, it, it can become like a bleeding kid's playground at times in a PT, like in the gym with PTs. You've just got to be the adult in this and bring it up and just go, listen, guys, if that, I don't mean it intentionally. If I do come across one of your clients, I'm obviously as soon as I pick up that, then I will obviously just say hello to them and let on to them, let them have conversation. But that's how, as far as it'll go. Um, and the majority won't, won't have a problem with that. Um, next question is a good one. Belter movement assessment in the consultation or first session. I like to see how they move so I can advise them on how many sessions they should have with myself or alone following the program, but it's very time consuming. So basically the question is, do you do it in the consultation or the first session? Uh, I think it's a personal preference, but more so I think the first one is, um, the first one is in probably what I'd prefer have preference over um so i i used to think along the lines of the movement assessment would dictate the frequency of training um a lot of the time so i used to do it in the consultation like it used to be kind of a half and half um but the frequency is more based around in my opinion um creating familiarity, creating opportunities to coach, creating better habits, um, better training habits, creating an opportunity to educate. Um, so you might see someone who's, you know, who's the movement patterns all over the shop, you know, they've got vagus knee and they can't squat and blah, 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 blah. Um, and then the technical coach side thinks like, I've got to fix that. But you can't really dictate based on frequency how long that's going. Like the frequency won't dictate how quickly they progress in that movement. For example, yes, more will probably help than less. But if you're thinking of the bigger picture and general population, general population, it, you know, they want to be safe in the way they exercise and not be injured. But what's more important to them is probably them losing weight, toning up, building muscle, feeling better versus the frequency based on they can't squat below, below parallel or whatever. So um, I would say the first session. 
Um, just off the back of that, John's just put, and I think it's good to go with it now. John's just put a question into the um, into the live. What would your movement assessment include? Do you want to take that? Or do you want me to? Yeah, I can take it. Um, <clears throat> I think everything around the major movement pattern. So um, when you think about that, hip hinge, knee dominance, rotation, core stability, mental um, capacity, I think. Um, pressing, so a lot of body weight stuff. So if you're gonna put that into some movements, um, looking at them doing uh, a squat, a lunge pattern, um, holding a plank position, um, pressing push-ups, um, maybe some form of rotation as well. I think those kind of things will will tell me all I really need to know about keeping that person safe, what I need to consider potentially when I'm then um, programming that person. You can do some um, FMS if you want and upskill yourself on that. Is it good? Yeah. Um, can you add in fun functional flexibility tests? Yeah, to see the imbalances of things. Um, but those, those movements tell me probably a lot more practically what I need to consider in, in the programming. Um, again, I used to go into a lot of detail with functional flexibility tests and overhead squats and all sorts of stuff. Um, so I guess it's having a few tools in, in, in your back pocket to pull out. But those movements for me you know, will tell me about stability of joint, will tell me about range of motion, will tell me about imbalances, um, will tell me about core stability, will tell me about mental capacity. Um, so, yeah, that's what I would do. Anything different? Um, no, I think the only one you didn't mention is like a hinge-based movement pattern. So, essentially, John, the way what you would do is similar to what we've done with the programming stuff in here, where you take the main movements across the top that Nick's just kind of gone through, and you'd go on the bare minimum of their movements and check. Um, so Nick mentioned obviously the squat, the lunge pattern, um, a pressing-based movement, i.e., the press up, dependent on the ability of the person, um, a hinge-based movement that might start with a dowel, then it might start with um, so you might start with a dowel and go three points with a dowel on the back. Um you might start to move that forward and assess what they're like under load with their hinge type movement. Um, and then just all the rest that Nick's just said, I think the mental capacity is a big one, but you can pick that up in say a plank um, from a, from a core perspective. But all I would say is that the ending point on this is just make sure that you know how to correct the movements. Like I remember doing movement pattern, uh, movement assessments within my first probably three years worth of coaching and I was shown it briefly on a like on a course, and I wasn't really shown then how to make sure I knew how to correct um, if they wasn't moving efficiently. So just make sure that if you're obviously if they if they have got valgus knee or if they can't hinge efficiently, if they 
struggle in certain elements of movements that you know how to correct their movements and it's incorporated into their programming. What that should do is once you've done that movement screen and a movement assessment, it should start to give you the opportunity to pick up where then people are on the movement continuum, which is obviously that what we've just built out in the group recently. So then if they're really poor, they start at phase or level one of what that is, that might be a TRX squat and so on. Um, if they're a little better than you think, and it's just some kind of um, things that you can aim to improve and they can do in their own time that you can give them, then they can move further down on the movement continuum. I think this is where having that movement continuum comes in really handy off the back of the, the movement assessment. So no, that's the only thing I would add. Tips for taking down notes during consults without breaking up the flow of conversation and terrible doing both at once yeah this is i think it's a really good question this like i've shared with you in the past that like i i i was a shit listener initially for the first god i could probably say the first 10 years of coaching i'm not gonna lie um and that's not because i didn't want to know what was best for the client i was just trying to take it all in so then because I knew when I was kind of subconsciously knew I wasn't a great listener, I was constantly taking notes down and it would at times break up the flow of the conversation. Um, so I can relate to this in a big way. Um, I think there's two things to, to, to try and keep in mind. If you're still doing consults over Zoom, then record them as much as you can so you can go back. And I think the second point is if you're not doing them over Zoom, record them anyway. So like get your dictaphone out on your phone um, and just square it with the client that you're going to record it plainly because you want to make sure that you take as much of the information in as possible. Um, and that can work really well as well for you to go back and see how you performed in that consultation regards to how did you listen? What were your questions like? How have you got to the, the summary of where um, that conversation has been kind of led in regards to the sale and the goals and all of that type of stuff? So I would say them two things. Um, would be the best way of going about it. So record them if you can. Um, if a client feels that they can't, uh, they don't want you to record them for whatever reason. Um, what I would say is try to do your best to just actively listen and just take bullet points out from what they're saying and just write them down or type them down. Um, that's fine. And then controlling the conversation as well in a sense of obviously the conversation is 80% the client, 20% you. But just being really transparent and honest to the client and go, okay, cool, that's like that's amazing what you've just said. Do you mind if I just take a few notes on that? And if there's a bit of an awkward pause and a silence while you take a few notes, there's no harm in that because it's in the best interest of the client. That would be my advice anyway. Anything different, Nick? Um, the only thing I'd potentially add in is, is <clears throat> paraphrasing back what they say and then summarising at the end might help to kind of summarize like that 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 topic of conversation so you know if you're if you're in a conversation about their goals and going back and forth you know you can summarize that so just to summarize so i make sure i'm on the same page with you x y and z while you're writing that down so you can almost at the end of each kind of section have that opportunity to write a summary of what you've just spoken about rather than trying to write all the kind of little bits and pieces down um, and definitely 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 record um a hundred percent so i think summarize paraphrase paraphrase back to them when you're searching for the answers 
um, and they're searching for answers and then just summarize at the end of each. Let's say movement side of things, nutrition side of things, the program accountability goals. Um, yeah, that might help break it up a little bit. Um, Is it my question? As my charity night is coming up next week, what would be the best way to get everyone down? Love that question. Um, okay. Um, first thing is, I think, uh, incentive. Well, first of all, I think get commitment and urgency. So, for example, um, use something like Eventbrite or an event on social, or maybe coupling with events on social media where you're sending links out for people to book onto. So it makes it a little bit more real and, um, and get people to commit. Um, that can then send, obviously, reminders throughout. I think incentivize it as well, on top of, obviously, the incentive of doing it for a good, good cause. Um, so maybe anyone who participates could be put into the draw for X, Y, and Z. Um, I think the obvious things in regards to being absolutely relentless on, um, so I'm, I'm guessing you mean your clients and the people that follow you on social media. So absolutely relentless speaking about it all day, every day online, um, um, maybe doing a bit of a register your interest potentially where you could start where you could do a load of emails out to people running up to the event definitely do a countdown to the event um, challenge your clients or the people who are already turning up to bring a friend to 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 share the post to um yeah just spread the word a little bit i think those are probably the main things off the top of my head um without knowing the specifics. Anything else, Anthony? Um, no, the reason why I like the question is because I fucking love a charity event, especially when it's got something to do with fitness and stuff like that. But Don't lie when it's got something to do with dressing up. Dressing up? You love a dress-up, don't you? Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's been known, Nick. It's been known. Um what would if you can do your best to get into something like the local papers and something like that that done a lot for me in the past like as soon as you get in there um and that can be shared um it gives an opportunity where the hell's he just gone it gives an opportunity for um other people outside of your kind of network to um <laughs> that's just through me to um to make sure that they join as well um yeah so all the stuff that nick's just said but get people to share it like fuck as much as possible um yeah because that's essentially what you need you want other people because as bad as this may sound um it's a great marketing opportunity as well as bad as it may sound it is a really really good marketing opportunity um so the more you can get people sharing it, the better. <laughs> Where the hell did you just go there? I think I clicked the wrong button. <laughs> <laughs> um, that completely threw me then. Um, 
Nicole's put a question in the group. When you are reaching out to other businesses and they don't come back to you, can I reapproach without it looking pushy or annoying? Some of them don't have a fixed location, so I contacted them online. Brilliant that you're doing that. Oh, 100%. I think... People are busy, aren't they? Yeah, you've got to be relentless with this stuff. Like, you've absolutely got to be relentless. And, you know... With, with we are the worst at getting back to other businesses the amount of people that request podcasts and we just ignore it for weeks don't they yeah uh, you like honestly like and stuff like pure like pure as well generally if like i'm not sure what it's about i'll probably ignore it but when they phone me that's been a bit of a differentiator sometimes so i think um yeah, be relentless, mate. Be absolutely relentless. Be absolutely relentless. You can't be too. You can't. You can't do it enough. I don't think. Takes us free emails to say no. <laughs> huh? Takes us free emails to then go. Ah, we better reply. Yeah. No, we can't do that one. Yeah. So no, consistently. Consistently. Yeah, mate. because people are busy as in general. Um, and if it doesn't hit them in the face, how it's going to directly benefit them. Um, yeah, they'll be reluctant to... Um, so make sure the way you put it across to the businesses is blatant. It hits them in the face straight away, how it's going to benefit them. Um, because that's how that's how you'll get their attention. It's as simple as that. We might think that, well, yeah, this is a really good thing that you, you wanted to reach out and do for them, but they just really won't realise that until it hits them in the face. Um, yeah, that's what I would say. Real, I think that's it. Is it? It is. Wicked. Any final thoughts? Um, final thoughts. Um, I've got a new flavour carb killer to try today. <laughs> what flavour is it? Fudge. Fudge. Oh. <laughs> Look how happy you are. You enjoy it. I'm just looking at it now. <laughs> That's got, not going to last much longer if you've got it on your desk there. Mate, I've got a four hour webinar. You know, you listen, you look forward to those little yeah. 10 minutes. So um, I've planned out my snacks and my coffee breaks for the next five and a half hours while I'm delivering a webinar. Brilliant. The joy. But apart from that, Not really. No, not really. I'm going to uh, get in the group and lecture people about not checking in when they lecture their clients for not checking in. Parcels. Absolute parcels. All right, ladies and gents, see you in a bit. Bye-bye.